is the pinnacle of his teaching. Today is the day that he says, all right, everybody, you want to be first? You want to be first in life, right? This is the secret. You want to be great? You want to be great in life? This is the secret. You can go online, you can look under uh, wiki notes, and they got 15 steps on how to be great in life. Yeah, Jesus gives us one word. Uh, you, you, you can go and, and look, go into the sports, you know, and, and you, you want to be great. You, 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 there's regimens that, that entail your exercise, that entail your food and your sleep habits and your, um, all the, the training. Jesus gives us one word. You want to be great. Here it is. This is what he shares with us. Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 45. Let's uh, pray together. Almighty God, thank you again for your word as it speaks to us of your truth. Now, enable us to hear from you. Enable us to receive from you. Soften our hearts in this moment uh, so that we'll receive and fall deeper in love with you and continue to grow in our following and obedience to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 10 verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying... See, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, said, teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. And they said to him. We are able. And Jesus said to them. The cup that I drink. You will drink. And with the baptism which I'm baptized. You will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left. Is not mine to grant. But is for those for whom. It has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you 
must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, you excited or disappointed to hear that word? You got the word. Servanthood. That's it. You want to be great? You want to come in first? Then be a servant. Amazed at that or fearful? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, the disciples were, in verse 32, did you catch that? As Jesus was entering to Jerusalem, they were amazed and they were fearful, those that were following after him. You see, this teaching brings that about. The teachings of Jesus do that regularly because the teachings of Jesus are tied in with the ways of God and we feel it in our soul. And so we we are amazed. We know, yes, he's right. In our heart of hearts, we know to be a servant is what brings life. It's the way of God. But we're also fearful because we know that is not the way of this world. And for many of us, it's not our natural wiring. We, we are we are designed to do uh, we we are designed to be servants, uh, but the brokenness and fallenness of our flesh leads us to selfishness to serve ourselves. And Jesus here, he comes on the scene and he just turns everything upside down. I mean, he messes with us. This is not the way of the world. It's not the way we're wired. And he says, but this is the way of life. I can remember um, one of my favorite jobs of all time was working at YMCA Camp Cosby in Alpine, Alabama. And uh, there were times I was over the the eight-year-old boys. And I can remember lunch, lunchtime. Every once in a while, I'd say, all right, guys, it's time to eat. Let's line up. Time to eat. And I'd be at the front of the line. And then they'd all get in line. And it was, you know what it looked like. It was the, the, the tussle and the elbows and the grabbing one another and boxing people out to get first in line for, you know, french fries and hot dogs. You know, but that's what it didn't, didn't matter what it was, actually. It was just, here's the line. Let's get in it. And then the tussle would begin. Well, they'd get in line for lunch, and then I'd ask Dave. I'd say, Dave, it was the assistant counselor. I want you to go to the end of the line. And then right when the doors opened for lunch, we'd switch it up. Dave would now be the front of the line, and I'd be the end of the line. And I don't know, I got a sick pleasure in the end of the line because it was the alphas that were at where I was. And you know what happens. The minute we say, oh, that's the front of the line, they start mumbling and groaning and they start pushing on one another, trying to get their way back up to the front. And I just loved keeping them exactly in the order that they were in as we went to lunch. And, you know, uh, that's sort of the, the way of life in our, our the, we humans. Uh, we, we, we're always fighting for the front of the line. And Jesus No, this is the end. This is the front up here. This is how you're great in God's eyes. To be a servant to one another. To be a servant of God. Now, that fear though is well placed. Because since, then since this greatness, the greatness of the kingdom of God is not, doesn't fit with us, doesn't fit with this world, then it involves pain and suffering. 
It, 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 it involves death. We talked about this last time. Remember last, last week, Jesus said, you go back and look in, uh, in, in Mark 8, where he says, if you want to come after me, you want to be part of my tribe, then you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, which is a form of execution, and then follow me. So he makes, he's clear that this way of being a servant, being great through servanthood involves pain and suffering. Now, and, and you know that, you, you realize that. Uh, uh, some, minutes, some of you may have noticed yesterday I put a little note on Facebook. I said, hey, why do you find it difficult to serve others? And a number of you talked about how it's just hard, it's exhausting and the time and energy that other things can take can overwhelm us. Uh, a friend of mine did the, the same thing and some folks that shared, you know, it's really hard to, to serve because you might get sucked in to, to a, a, a endless, a bottomless pit of need and concern that never finds you. And you, you don't know, are you wasting your time? Because it, there, there may be no change. There may be nothing that happens. I just want to let you know, Jesus didn't say anything about changing the world being great. He, he said what's being great is being a servant. So just re- recognize that. The, another person said, you know, what? Well, they said, what's the most difficult thing of serving others? He just responded one word, others. We are humans and we are a mess and to serve one another is hard work. It takes pain and suffering. So recognize that that is the the truth. Uh, in, in this world. Now, what's interesting too, James and John. Now we can't have James and, we can put James and John's filter on. Don't you love, they, they just skipped the suffering. They went straight to glory. I mean, Jesus said, this is what the Son of Man is going to do. We're going to go into Jerusalem. The, the, my people, uh, our people, they're going to take me and they're going to convict me to death and they're going to hand us over to the people that aren't even our people, to the unholy people, to the Gentiles. They're going to throw me to them and there they're going to mock and ridicule me and I'm going to die. And then I'll be raised in the third day. That's James and John locked in on that. Hey, this is greatness. Uh, who knows what they figured? They said, oh, Jesus, that's rough. We'll pray for you, but it'll be quick. It's only three days. And then when that's over and you're raised to new life and then you come in the fullness of your glory and you're going to take over, you're going to destroy the Romans. Can we be on your right and left? Can we be right there with you? They saw that glory. Well, and, and I think that this is a good recognition of selfish ambition that James and John had. Being great, being great through servanthood, it corrects our selfish ambition to a godly ambition. But we're not, we're not wrong necessarily to have ambition. It's just what do we have ambition for? Do we have an ambition for our own protection, our own power, or do we have an ambition for following Jesus? I mean, the, the, the whole of, of the gospel is, is calling us to reorder our ambition according to God. Again, th- this will be difficult, and it's not, it's not what we get naturally. It's certainly what was what's going on in Rome. In Rome, in Jesus' day, it was not a world that celebrated servanthood. It, matter of fact, it was just the opposite. Uh, this is from... Uh, Garrett Fagan, he's a, he's deceased now, he's a professor of, of history, ancient history, specialized in Rome, his last uh, university was Penn State. He actually has five great courses 
the, the, the great courses. He has five of them on ancient Rome. This, this is what he had to say about Rome. Leadership of Roman culture. The ideas of universal human dignity were almost all but non-existent. And large swaths of the population were seen as inherently worthless. Weak members of society were objects not of compassion, but of derision. More than most, Romans lionized strength over weakness, victory over defeat, dominion over obedience. Losers paid a harsh price and got what they deserved. And resistors were to be ruthlessly handled. Roman politics became a ruthless game of total winners and abject losers. The drive to dominate and not be forced to bow before a rival was paramount. The Roman understanding of greatness, and I propose to you, maybe even the human understanding of greatness throughout the ages, is to get in front of the line as fast as you can, get in, eat all you can, and let the rest lick the dishes. But Jesus comes and turns everything upside down. And when that happens, you're going to go against the grain. It's going to be challenging. May even lead, as it did to Jesus, to death. Now, James and John, I I love Jesus' interaction. Jesus just stays cool and calm. I mean, in in ten days, Jesus is going to be on a cross. Ten days from this conversation, within ten days, Jesus is on the cross. He'd have a right here to maybe lose his patience a little. That these guys don't have a clue what's going on. And the suffering that Jesus is going to entail. But they will. And as they follow Jesus, they will indeed face and endure the same thing that Jesus did. Because when he says, do you drink from my cup? Can you be baptized in my baptism? What, what Jesus is telling them, the cup oftentimes in, in the Hebrew scriptures means suffering. You know, can you, will you suffer the same way I will? And then baptism uh, uh, frequently can be referring to death. As a matter of fact, in Galatians, Paul talks about baptized, baptism. That we're baptized into the death of Jesus and we're raised to new life. So what Jesus is saying, can you handle the suffering and same death that I'm going to Suffering and death. See, James and John were thinking right and left, you know, in his glory. Well, Jesus knew who was going to be on his right and left in 10 days. James had no clue. And it was two convicted criminals who were hanging on two crosses, one to his right, one to his left. That's what Jesus was telling them. This, this is what it means to be on my right and on my left. And you may not be aware of that now, but in the power of the Spirit, you will. Because uh, James and John did face the same as Jesus. James was martyred. John was exiled to the island of Patmos where there he lived out his, his life where they suffered and died for Jesus. Being a servant, 
Servanthood corrects that selfish ambition in us. Even in the littlest ways. Um, one of the fringe benefits, one of the amazing things and fearful things of preaching is that it turns out that every once in a while, regularly actually, God sort of uses experiences during the week as you're preparing to, to preach, to bring some things home. I went to Finley Market this week. As I'm going in, I got my list, what I need to go do, and I beeline in there. And a gentleman, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm fine, how are you? And I keep going, and I hear something in the back about a sandwich or something like that, and I just keep mowing. And I, you know, get around the corner, and the Spirit of God, you know, sort of nudges me a few times. says, uh, aren't you preaching on servanthood? Didn't you just preach about denying yourself just last week? And so I go buy the thing I need to buy, turn around, go back. So, okay, I'll go. Sure enough, the gentleman that said hello was sitting right there. You still want that sandwich? Yeah, okay, well, let's go in the store. So we went, and Thomas and I had a great little conversation. Turns out he's about my age, two, two and a half years older than me, from Alabama. So we share a few stories along those lines, and then gets the sandwich and moves on. And we go our own way. And as I'm leaving, it's just reminded of that saying, There but the grace of God go I. Help to just put me in my place in that moment as a part of God's plan and God's kingdom. Servanthood can correct that selfish ambition. Being great through servanthood also corrects our envy to unity. Corrects our envy to unity. It promotes teamwork. Because uh, after Jesus talks with James and John and dealing with their selfish ambition, then he, he the, the rest of the, the, the ten, they, they get indignant. They get mad at James and John. They're probably mad, man. This is now the disciples are fighting for the first in line, and James and John got to jump on things. So they're they're mad at them for what they have done, and it is now here. I mean, we're ten days on the cross, and the disciples are now arguing with one another. They're quarreling about who gets to be first. Why? Who gets the the best position? Who gets the most power? And this is one of the things that is one of the detriments of the, the, the church in our age, division and quarreling. It's probably why Paul talks about quarreling in the church so much. Oftentimes he says, stop quarreling. And again, if we're focused on serving one another, if we're focused on being a servant, then quarreling just diminishes Because we're not fighting for something. We're not trying to get mine. I'm not trying to get mine. I'm trying to serve you. We're no longer competitors. No, we we cooperate with one another. Dallas Willard, he was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California for decades. And a, a leader, a, a pastor also in the Wesleyan tradition. 
I did a lot of writing on spiritual formation and spiritual growth. And uh, he had the, the knack of just giving a pithy saying or two along the way that then you could just write a book out about. And one of them was he would get with pastors and he'd talk about what leadership is. And he says, I think one of the most important things pastors can do is spend time in prayer praying for the other churches in your city. So because if you spend time in the Lord praying for the other churches in your city, that, that just tears down all the walls of competition. That helps remind you that you're all on the same team. It's a way of you being a servant to one another. Yeah, um, servanthood is a great antidote to selfish ambition and jealousy. It feeds unity and teamwork. If I can do a little riff on uh, Harry Truman. It's amazing what we can do if we don't care who gets the credit. You, you may know the one that discovered penicillin and and it was you know one of the greatest discoveries great medical how what what kind of met, lives were saved through that but the problem was there was no way that he knew how to mass produce it it would only go to the the wealthiest of wealthy at, at the, that stage but did you know that margaret hutchinson was the chemical engineer who developed the fermentation process that made it available to any and all readily, saving millions and millions of lives. Now, Dr. Fleming, he, he was uh, lauded at his, his death at a statesman funeral at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, whereas Dr. Hutchinson pretty much died fairly anonymously on a winter's day in Massachusetts, but they were part of the same team, not caring who got the credit and millions of lives have been impacted. Servanthood helps to correct that selfish ambition and helps to correct uh, that jealousy and envy and competitive spirit within us. And ultimately, yeah. Ultimately then, in the midst of this, Jesus is our guide. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is the greatest servant of all. So we follow him to greatness. Uh, verse, verse 45 of our, our passage. Let's put that uh, on the last, the last uh, statement that Jesus makes. Let's read this together. I think this is the pinnacle passage in the entire gospel of Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the very nature of God. When God becomes human, he becomes greatest because he becomes the greatest servant. He is the one who is righteous and he dies for the unrighteous. He gives himself to serve me and you and all who follow him throughout history. Indeed, he is a priceless treasure. 
And this, that to be a ransom, to be a ransom is to, to pay the price for freedom for a prisoner. Commonly, that's what, what you would do. You'd pay the ransom to free someone from prison. And we are imprisoned by sin and judgment and guilt and shame. And Jesus pays the price so that we can be freed from God's judgment, freed from shame and guilt and death, and freed now to serve freely for any and for all. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And when I don't want, I'm freed to live the life of a servant. Jesus, God the Son, uses His power as a human in order to suffer and die and benefit us. He bore our iniquities. He used His righteousness to make us righteous. So that all who received Him would receive what we don't deserve. We would reserve his, we would receive His righteousness being made right with God today and forever. That's who we follow. Follow Him. That's why we gather here every Sunday. That's why we gather in growth groups and other study groups and other places. We gather to focus on Jesus, our priceless treasure, and to let Him form our lives and continue to free us to be who we were created to be, but not who we're taught to be by the world and not even in our brokenness how we naturally would want to be, but to be according to Him. And you might be saying, no, I can't do it. It's it's too much. It's too hard. And, And you're right and wrong. You're right that you can't in your own power. But you're wrong in that in His power, with one another, He's making that transformation in us. And it's for anybody and everybody. Because anybody can be a servant. I, I got a video clip of this worked um, from uh, uh, one of the little snippet from Dr. King's sermons where he really hammers this uh, home. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be Recognize wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. This morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't know, you don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's spirit of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. You can be that servant. 
Jesus is the one filled with grace and love. As we give ourselves, anybody and everybody at any stage in life, from young to old, from school um, to retirement, we can learn to serve, can be a servant, can be great through Jesus. Uh, A couple uh, thoughts uh, for you. I want you to notice, again, Jesus didn't say, go serve. He said, be a servant. So you don't have to add anything to your life. You don't have to go do do anything different. You don't have to go be anywhere different. It's just wherever you are, are you a servant? In a family, mom and dad, are you serving one another? Are you serving the children? Children, are you serving one another? Are you serving mom and dad? At work, you got a boss, you got employees. Employees, are you serving your boss? Boss, are you serving the employees? And are y'all serving whoever your customers are together? You, you don't have to go anywhere. You're, you're, you're driving. Are you serving others as you drive down the road? I know that's a really radical thought. But wherever you go, you do not, as you're going this week, go and serve. Look for ways to do things anonymously. It's a great little discipline to just do it anonymously because you're not doing it to be recognized by others. You're, you're doing it before your Father in heaven. It's a great way to, to, to check those things and truly be great in our Father's eyes. Uh, close with this, 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16. To help you notice that John went from asking Jesus, hey, can I sit at your right and your left, to this thought. By this we know love, that he laid his da- down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Jesus made this transformation in John. He makes this transformation in us. This week, we can be great. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for Jesus and that he is the servant par excellence, one without equal. And we get to follow him. We get to know him. You have entered into our life. And Lord, we, we give our lives to you as living sacrifices to be servants, continue to Form our hearts, form our soul according to your grace and your love. We, we uh, pray, Lord, in the, the things that we do this week. We, we lift out the outreach at Pleasant Hill on Monday that we would be there as a, a community of your servants, serving you, uh, bringing glory and honor to you, being great in your eyes. And Lord, we, we pray for the churches around us. We pray that they would be great in your eyes, that you would anoint and bless them. Uh, with uh, ways beyond even our wildest imagination, whether it be St. Clair across the parking lot, uh, Grace Episcopal down the street, the Ethiopian Orthodox down Hamilton and uh, on Marlow, uh, the, the House of, of Liberty um, meeting in a home, First UCC, the Serbian Orthodox Church. Lord, we, we pray for your blessing. Consolation Baptist just down Cedar. 
Lord, we, we pray your blessing upon each of the, the, the leadership there and the people. And that they too would be great in your eyes for your glory. Now, Lord, as we um, enter into this, this season in November and December, we have uh, the holiday season upcoming. We, we pray, Lord, that it, particularly in this, this season, that uh, we, we, in the outreaches that we have, that we would be acting as your servants and sharing with others your grace and love. And we pray during this election season, we would be united in you. We might have different opinions, different perspectives and preferences, but we want to be servants, even in this time. And we pray for those who are elected into office, that they too would be servants of you and servants of all the, the, the people that they're called to, to lead. Lord, we give you thanks ultimately for Jesus. And we celebrate in him that we've been set free because he was willing to serve us. In his name we pray. Amen.